because the main issue that people took umbrage with me being there as a girl and I was I was quite a slender frame I was quite a small and I was only 16 17 so I was quite diddy like they struggled to get overalls to fit me to be fair um m people would look at me and they would go she can't do the job because she's not physically strong enough so nobody really questioned my um mental ability to understand how an engine worked or how electronics worked but they couldn't comprehend that i would be physically strong enough to do the job welcome to jobs for women a podcast and free members club where we help you navigate life and work and get the salary you deserve. We bring you raw conversations with real women navigating the work world. Expect expert advice, solutions, driven content and access to our free members club. We're not just talking change, we are making it happen. Be part of the movement. I'm so happy you're here. So welcome to another episode of the Jobs for Women podcast. I'm very excited to welcome this week's guest. We have Becky Ray, who is the CEO of Culture Kick and a high performance culture consultant. One introduction. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so intrigued to talk about your career today because I feel like when we had our off the pod chat, it was there was a lot of light bulbs uh, for us. There's a lot of synergy in what we do here at Jobs for Women. So talk to us. Um, talk to us. What? Tell me about what you do. Okay, so I um, essentially I partner with leaders inside organisations and empower them to create their own high performing culture in their team in their business because work doesn't have to be dull and boring and feel like you're pushing treacle up a hill work can actually be fun and energizing and satisfying and if you make it that way for the people that work there then do you know what they're going to give you their best and then your business will would definitely benefit from that that makes total sense doesn't it do the individuals come to you or do the companies come to you um, a bit of both, really. So some of my current clients I've got because I know people that work inside businesses. And it's often people from, because my background is also health and safety. So culture often gets shoehorned into kind of the health and safety kind of sphere of a business, especially if it's high risk or safety critical. And that's where my background is. Um, they'll often go, oh, we know we need something, but we're not quite sure what. And then I kind of go in through them present to kind of their leadership team and say look we can try some of these things because culture change is not I oh, will fix it with one fancy new initiative or one workshop it's a it's a long journey but I can kind of I can kind of kick them on kick start them onto that journey give them things to try and consider and then over time they can develop that culture for themselves and does it I'm, I'm assuming it varies per organization like culture is huge isn't it can you yeah. talk us through that like how how do you go into a company and be like right your culture is like this this is what we're going to do to you know switch it up yeah so it definitely does vary and obviously depending on what you do as a business and where you are you're going to have almost subcultures within your business especially if you've got different locations and different departments and often that's one of the biggest conflicts they've got is the kind of departments working in silos. So just working within their little sphere and almost they're looking down and in rather than you want people to be looking up and out. 
to see that their part of the business is part of a bigger piece and getting people to kind of see that and see the synergies between departments is a great a great starting place how do you do that then if you go into an organization can you so give us all your secrets yeah there's a few I mean so I've built like a frame so through my experience of working inside lots of businesses um, and now as a consultant I know kind of the things that work so I've built a framework but I think framework's a bit boring and a bit corporate so I've smashed it neatly into a cake and it's called the culture kit culture cake so you've got five layers of this cake um, and I can bring these to life through coaching, through um, workshops, through ongoing support inside a business to bring the ingredients of these five layers apart. And I'll, and I'll just go through them quickly if that will help. So the first one's all about making it easy. So people want to do their job, whatever you're employed to do, you want to come in and do it and hit the ground running. And that's good for people and good for business. So what are we doing to set people up for success and give them what they need when they need it and then kind of back away and leave them to it to, to flourish and to fly and be awesome. The second one is all around speaking up. So this, this notion of psychological safety and that ties nicely with the kind of the arena that you're in with the whole diversity and inclusion piece because if people don't feel included, they don't feel part of the team, then they're not going to speak up and then all that knowledge that your business like craves to have is often trapped within your workforce. And then people then maybe only do the bare minimum. And again, you're not getting the best from your people if they feel like they can speak up and contribute and come to work as their true authentic selves and give you all they've got to offer. Yeah. The third one is around turning frustrations into focus. If you've ever been in any business and you can hear grumbles or moans or like, people are frustrated, it's not because they're bad people. It's because something is getting in their way of them doing what they've come here to do. So rather than banish all the whinging and moaning, let's listen to what they've got to say and do something about it. So I help leaders be able to actively listen and understand what these frustrations are and actually do something about it. And that frees up again, lots of capabilities and lots of efficiencies. And the second, the last two, all about learning. So learning from failure and lots of businesses think they do this well, but often there's a lot of blame and a lot of shame and a lot of negativity around failure. But actually if we reframe it, there's so much to learn from failure. And then the last one is about not just waiting for your next failure to learn, but there's stuff that you can learn every single day. But you can only do that if people are able to speak up, leaders listen to workers' frustrations, and then we take the time to make it easy so people can just come in and do what it is they do best and flourish. Wow, that's when you actually just break it down like that, it feels like it's more doable but I know that just generally we think like shifting it especially a massive organization it feels like oh my god like pushing the tide back or yeah um so but but when you break it down like that it makes sense and I can really relate to um people being able to use the voice and yeah. like you said the work that we're doing I mean we've done webinars and podcasts with women who have perhaps been like the minority so like the only woman so feeling less able or less 
okay with using the voice sometimes mm -hmm. it's like sometimes that they might be encouraged to do so but there's a difference between feeling confident that you can do it in a room full of men for example yeah. so I think that is that's a really interesting one and I love the active listening there is so much content that I listen to about like if everyone just listened more yeah. like how how empowering that could be and I think as a leader it's so important I god when I think back to like my early career not even what think when I was still like at uni and part-time jobs and stuff you know like working in companies where people were like miserable or like moaning about this and that and mm -hmm. if it's constantly overlooked or they're not listened to it just gets bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger doesn't it yeah. Yeah. And I, I've got my ears open to it all the time. So even if I'm just in a coffee shop buying a coffee or wherever I am, I'm listening to what people that work there are saying because I'm really tuned into it. And for example, I was in a coffee shop and this woman opened a big box and she was like, oh, damn it. Why do they send us the blue ones? They know that the green ones fit in this container or whatever. So it was obviously they were being sent some kind of supplies from somewhere. But it was a real frustration because she couldn't just do what she needed to do. Yeah. And so maybe there's a reason why she got the green and not the blue. Like there's context around it, but yeah. yeah. And, and I suppose your your job is to help that company get to the bottom of those problems so that they can be more efficient. Yeah. Um and more successful. And then of course, like what we talk about at jobs for women is like retention. It's expensive mm -hmm. to recruit. So you want to keep everyone happy, don't you? So talk to us about your early career because I'm very excited um <laughs> to say that you were the first female forklift truck engineer yes. wow <laughs> a round of applause please talk, talk about that how did that come about and well done thank you so yeah I mean I started an apprenticeship when I was 16 17 like fresh out of school I went to college and then realized straight away it just wasn't for me. I think I just followed my friends and I knew I wanted to do something. I've always been quite hands-on, quite, I want to understand how stuff works. So I applied for apprenticeships in my local area. And I even remember going again as a young 16 year old girl to an interview with a really big company for an apprenticeship. And the guy, when he opened the door, just look, literally looked me up and down and went, you're a girl and I remember it was such a poignant moment because I thought I'm probably going to remember this moment and I thought to myself like this is the start of something and so do you know what I said bold as brass I went yes yes I am and I thought I've just got to own it because how else do you confront that kind of response yeah. and I mean you may have just been observant but it just felt like I imagine he wouldn't have done the same to the other people being interviewed. And that's when I had my kind of my first taste of, oh, I'm being treated slightly different here. Did you get the job? Did you go on and get that apprenticeship? Well, I got the job for that company, but I got the job for another company and I turned those down. Oh, wow. And do you know that that, that moment, that's such a great anecdote, mm. like looking you up and down. Oh, you're a girl. What a great reaction. Yeah. Yes, yes, that is correct. Yes, I yeah. have guessed. Yeah. correct and then it's like yeah. the silence is golden in those moments don't you think whereas yes. I would have just filled the space with like yes I'm a good but it's yeah. it's those pauses isn't it so then what was your experience like that so so you then turned them down for another company did I yeah. hear that right yeah yeah so I started it was a four-year apprenticeship and like I said no girl had done it before and they were at times a bit clumsy because they weren't quite sure how to speak to me but again 
we kind of learned together but the company were well absolutely fantastic this one guy because i predominantly in a workshop initially the guy that was my foreman i still speak to now and this is like over 20 years ago um because he was such a nice guy and he was and he just laid the path out and he went you've got the job there's nothing that there's nothing that you can't do that all the men can do so we'll just make it happen and every time i ever came up against something i couldn't do we just found like a slightly different way i think i use my brain more because the main issue that people took humbridge with me being there as a girl and i was i was quite a slender frame i was quite a small and i was only 16 17 so i was quite diddy like they struggled to get overalls to fit me to be fair um m people would look at me and they would go she can't do the job because she's not physically strong enough so nobody really questioned my um mental ability to understand how an engine worked or how electronics worked but they couldn't comprehend that i would be physically strong enough to do the job but you know what? when you do a physically demanding job do you know what happens you get stronger yeah. so even if on day one i couldn't lift everything as i got into it my god i was so much stronger but also i never pushed myself so on one hand if i was a man i might see a task and go i'm just going to do it i would go i'm going to think about the best way to do this and i'm now in my well, I'm 40 and i know people that did a physically demanding job similar to me and their backs are short and their knees are short so I looked after my body. I got really strong and I was there was nothing I couldn't do. But I never used just brute force and aggression to do my job. I really thought about it. That's so interesting. I'd love to know the psychology behind that, that as a woman, perhaps you approached it differently, thought about it. Um, you know, when you said there were some clumsy mistakes or, or can you give us any stories of what you encountered? Because I do think as women, especially a strong woman like you, who is very intelligent and as, you know, first female um, engineer, like we tend to kind of just brush over experiences. Yeah. Is there anything that you can share? Because I think when we share our experiences, it lets other women know that, you know, you're not alone. And if you encounter it, like, can you share anything? Yeah, so I think one that kind of springs to mind is it was quite a senior leader. So I went up into the offices above the workshop to get something. And I was walking through the door behind him and he just let the door go in my face. And then I kind of walked through and then he must have clocked my face. And he went, oh, I didn't think we, were, we weren't holding the doors anymore, were we? Because if you want to do this job, I can't then be a gentleman and hold the door. Yeah. And that was that was the decision he'd made as if he was trying to accept me as an engineer doing a man's job he then didn't need to open the doors for me and then similar things happened so i would have a i would have a van and i would drive to the places where the trucks were broken and i'd get a big toolkit that i could carry because why would i set myself up to fail so i'd get it out and it was heavy and i carry all the bits over and people would want to come and carry it for me again being like a gentleman to help me and sometimes I would let them but sometimes I wouldn't I'd be like I've got this and people just felt awkward in those moments but the bit about slamming the door in my face well that's just rude it was, yeah it was rude because we hold I hold the door for anybody uh-huh it's not um it's not like a male thing it's not a male yeah so it really he was making it a gendered thing wasn't it well hmm. technically 
to do this job in my eyes you know a man so yeah. I'm not going to hold the door open that's yeah. that's crazy yeah. and I think that's what comes up when we're thinking about women in male-dominated industries it's like mm. just because we're doing a job in a male-dominated industry doesn't yeah. make us a man or we're not trying to be yeah. a man and it's like when women are deemed to be when they're assertive and they're called bossy yeah. or when they wear a certain type of attire if they're dressing androgynous they're trying to be yeah. a man and it's like we can't really win the very fact that women are talked about for the based on their appearance like you know in the media when it's in politics the men their suits aren't talked about but women yeah. are literally pulled apart in terms of their appearance it's kind of like this is why having these conversations um is empowering because you know we want to inspire women listening that they can do you know you got that apprenticeship well done you and i'm hoping that there's been more women after yeah, you it has yeah definitely you think it's yeah. changing i think it is changing but i just think the rate that it's changing is so painfully slow that it that it kind of hurts but i like to think that every so for example if i would i would get in my van i drive somewhere where something was broke if I knew the people because I'd been there before, they'd be like, "Oh, welcome back, Beck. Let me get you a cup of tea." And it'll be, it'd be, su it was such a nice environment. If I went somewhere where no one had seen me before, and I would get out the van, often they would just go, "Oh, this doesn't compute." And because it's so different, because I was breaking the stereotype, I was breaking the mold, it made them feel uncomfortable. And so I would say 95% of new people that I met and who saw me in my overalls getting out of the van would say something, again, quite clumsy. Oh, well, you're a girl. Or do you know what you're doing? Or is your dad coming? Or is, oh is, where's, is the bloke coming? And, and they'd almost, they'd be so uncomfortable that they couldn't not say anything. And even though those conversations, and I had so many of them, were hard, they were just seeing something that was just so different they couldn't compute it and they didn't know what to say and how to respond so i like to think every little conversation i've had i'm now changing their perspective of oh well a woman can do that job and then obviously i go on to fix the truck and they can do what they need to do and they're like oh yeah you've done it she's I've, smashed it every little every little interaction is is setting up the next person not to have yeah and obviously all the women in all the jobs and all the men in all the women dominated industries are doing that that are breaking that stereotype and are standing up and being proud in it is paving the way to say it's okay but if you don't see it you can't believe it can you yeah so I and I'm, I'm so with you on that on those little grassroots changes like challenging it also sometimes like you say not that we're defending that kind of behavior but when someone is so not used to it like you jumping yeah. out of your truck getting your tool you know and basically going to smash it out and fix this huge piece of equipment it's kind of like it opens their eyes to it and if they haven't ever seen that before you know having that moment of oh wow she you're a woman like knee-jerk reaction um but like you say you you're you're making the waves for the future generations mm -hmm. and the next generations of and this is what we're doing at jobs for women we want women yeah. to be able to look at any career and know that there's know that there's so many amazing careers that women are brilliant at they have the right brain for or you know women are wired differently to men and but we can all do jobs that, that we put our minds to so so that how long did you do that for so i was an engineer for 10 years 
Wow. And I kind of loved it. And I kind of went as far as I could go. My my next kind of steps would then be kind of like a, an operations manager sending other engineers out. But I just knew I wanted to, yeah, move into to a different space and, yeah, move use my brain a bit more as well. And when yeah, you... it, was, it was quite a hard-going job. Like, it was all weathers. Wow. All weathers, rain, snow, and it was really dirty. And obviously, it takes it takes its toll on on you but I'm yeah. yeah I'm so glad I did I learned so much about people and business yeah I bet and when you were when you then went into like operations manager did you see many women coming through no so yeah unfortunately it's it's, it's still quite a male dominated environment um but yeah they're getting there they're getting there slowly and then then talk to us about then when you set up your own business how did you make that leap what was the connection so it all happened um, over COVID, but I think the idea had been brewing for a while. So I went on to then do health and safety, and I did that again in a number of really high-risk, safety-critical, but again, male-dominated environments. So rail, so infrastructure stuff on the on rail, so big construction jobs. And I remember at the time is when um, the whole gender pay gap bit where they have to report on that. So they started mm -hmm. crunching the numbers. And at the railway at the time, it was 98% men. Wow. And I think at the time, it was like 36,000 people worked there. Wow. And it was a 98% ratio, 98% yeah. men. So what did you do for rail? Were you doing health and safety? Between health and safety, yeah, for the railway on big projects. And again, go and again, I kind of got some respect because I kind of been like a hands-on worker and I understood that stuff. Um, but still face similar kinds of things because I just stood out. I, Yeah, being a woman, you kind of do stand out. You know, like when you think about your career, like you're really breaking down those, the stereotype, you know, that, that women can do it. Did you get frustrated and tired along the way or fed yeah. up? Yeah. So I, and I regret that I didn't do it, but when I was an engineer, I started, I had a book and I started writing down some of the things people said to me and I thought to myself I could publish this in a book and I could pass it to the next woman I would say to her read every line in this book take it in put your armor up and don't let any of these words trigger you because if you can take all of these words and these insults and these things people are throwing at you because that is the only thing standing in your way of doing um any of these jobs oh that's, was, that's made me feel quite sad you know when you said put the armor up well yeah because yeah. It, it can hurt can't it i'm a human being yeah 100 what do you think companies can do you know as if there's someone listening to this who's like you know we've got loads of amazing roles that we want women what can they do to get more women in and to support women so I think, and so something that, that we do at Culture Kick is this piece around psychological safety. So create an environment where it's safe to speak up and to share your ideas and your concerns and to say when it's not okay, because I didn't have that when I was an engineer. And even though I, I had a lack of psychological safety, there wasn't the like academia and theory kind of to, to bring it to life, but I wasn't able to say oh this is not right this feels uncomfortable yeah because I wouldn't have been supported so for leaders to know 
that the people in their teams, whoever they are, if they're facing, I suppose, I mean, you can call it banter, but it wasn't really banter, but like discriminatory comments, um, that they can, they can challenge it and it's not okay. But also it's all the people around. So every time somebody said something to me that really crossed the line, it was never just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. There were hundreds and thousands of people that saw and heard and laughed along to all that kind of stuff. And I just had to bat it all back. But to know that that stuff's not okay. And so, and to create, an, create a culture where everybody in the team is curious, but non-judgmental. So you, you can be curious and you can go, oh, I've not seen you before. And you can ask questions and converse with people, but to be non-judgmental, we can't yeah, have judgment about somebody just on what they look like without seeing what they're capable of. I love that line, curious but non-judgmental. Like it's okay. I love it. I want to make stickers out of it because yeah. it's, my line. it's a great tagline, and it's okay. It's like children are curious. My kids yeah. ask me millions of questions, but it's yeah. yeah, without adding the oh you're a girl or oh you're a woman. Yeah. And then the the rest of the whatever comes after. Yeah. But that's that that must have been hard for you. You must be a strong a strong woman. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you wish you'd have done differently, like in your career when you look back? Yeah. So I think I I think I probably would have liked to have called more people out because there was a lot of stuff that happened that wasn't okay, and I had to deal with it on my own. But I think because there wasn't that acceptance and and I suppose what comes with being in a minority, whatever you're doing, is that you then bear the burden of represent. So I was representing all of womankind. So if I went, and that's what it felt like. So if I went to a site and their forklift truck was broke and the guy who met me was like, oh my God, you're a woman. Is your dad coming? Or, and and they would feel like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how an engine works. You don't know how that works. And they would just be in my ear going, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And and like 11 times out of 10, I would do it. Imagine if one day I couldn't fix it because I'm not invincible. Say it was more complicated or I needed something else or I didn't do a great job that day. What they would, their opinion wouldn't be of me. It'd be of all women. Mm. And I want to take that pressure away that comes with being in the minority. Because if I was a bloke and I turned up and I couldn't fix it, they might be like, oh, that bloke didn't do a good job. He was rubbish. But they wouldn't go, all men are rubbish. Yes. So I want to break down that, take the weight off people's shoulders. Go and do the best you can. You'll have some fantastic days and some days where you're not quite on it. Um, but you don't have to. You don't have to bear the brunt of all the pressure of representing what it is you're representing. Yeah, I love that. That's I, I can relate to that. And I think even all of your experiences now, though, you can you're helping so many women, you're helping organizations. So everything we do in our life um adds yeah. to the future, don't you think? And I say that yeah. to my kids like when I'm like they're like, you know, when they're thinking about what they want to be when them when they grow yeah. up, I'm like, you don't have to have all the answers and everything that we do, yeah. even if you 
you know, we talk to a lot of women in our community that are like changing careers midway and it's gone to the yeah, day that we have to have this one career. Yeah. Um, so if there's anyone listening that is thinking, I'd like to do engineering or, you know, I fancy that, but there's something holding me back, what advice would you give them? Um, go and do it, but just go and try it. It's okay to pick something and go and try it and it not feel like it's what you want to do and go and try it in a workplace. And if that workplace and those that leadership team's not giving you what you need, one I would say now I think it's more acceptable to challenge some stuff and go, this is not okay, the way I was spoken to, or this is not okay, the way the team is, whatever it might be. I think we've got a bigger platform now to, to stand up for ourselves and call stuff out because we have to call out those people that are still stuck in that traditional view of looking at the world but go and try it and if it doesn't work it's okay you've tried it trying something is much better than just having that regret of not trying but you'll find you'll find the place you're meant to be and you'll find the thing that you're good at um but I like I'm on my third career now so and I think they're all kind of stepping stones to make me better at the next thing I do yeah I totally agree totally agree and yeah well thank you so much for sharing your stories I was so excited to chat to you because they're just oh just strong empowering women that are making real change for future generations I love it that is what we're about so if people want to connect with you how do they find you so you can find me on um LinkedIn and Instagram so it's Becky Ray and Culture Kick on LinkedIn and Culture Kick on Instagram or I've got a website so that's www.culturekick.co.uk um, Brilliant yeah, and I will put the links in the show yeah. notes yeah so make sure that you yeah reach out to Becky let them know mm. uh, it was through the Jobs for Women podcast um, and yeah I can't wait to see uh, what happens with Culture Kick and just your career so thank you so much for joining us. And likewise if there's anything I can do in the future to support your progression I'm all for it oh thank you well we'll speak to you soon okay thank you